Hello, everybody, and welcome back to His and Hers Horror Movie Podcast. Or is it His and Hers Movie Podcast? I haven't decided yet, but I'm pretty sure that Jason Lloyd decided for me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think the show is now up on Horophilia as His and Hers Movie Podcast, a.k.a. Double HMP. I'm your host, JP. And joining me, as always, is my second in command out of Carly. two. Oh, okay. <laughs> Carly. Carly. What's going on? Not much, buddy. Not much. Just got home from wizardy work, and now we are recording our second episode. We're doing good. Yeah. We are two in a row. <laughs> that is like a record almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... The first episode went over really well, I think. Uh, I think it had more responsiveness than Netflix and Chill did. I think that it, you know, seemed to be stuff that people liked. Watson, Lil Old Watt. Not Lil Watt. That's... that's, Lil Old Watt. Yeah, Lil Old Watt. uh, Lil Big Watt. (laughs) Lil Big Watt. Uh, actually pointed out the fact that he said this one sounded kind of professional and, you know, that it was uh, a little bit different from Netflix and chill. Because I think a lot of people might think like, oh, there's Carly and JP and they did Netflix and chill. His and her movie podcast is exactly the same as Netflix and chill, except for they're not doing Netflix films or streaming films. But that's not necessarily true. I kind of wanted to take a different approach to the entire podcast. And that was to sort of make it a little bit more serious and just like less joke jokey aroundy, I guess <laughs> if that's a term. Um, but you know, we can still joke and things like that. I just wanted it to be a little bit more professional sounding and less, um, less goofy. Um, but that the but we still have Netflix and chill, which we will still do episodes for occasionally, and we could still do that on there. But I didn't want to create the exact same podcast again. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like I don't know, Netflix and chill. When we first started that, that was I didn't exist until we started that podcast, so people didn't really know me back then. So it's like I feel like it didn't take off from the start because of that, maybe. And now it's like people know who we are, so they're more willing to give us a shot. Yeah. I well, they always knew who you were, but like, I'm not just some random. You're still random. some random. No, buddy, I swear. <laughs> I'm pretty popular among the crowd, I think. So, uh, yeah. So, what, you know, we got a, a pretty cool show tonight. We're going to be talking Underwater later in the show, the newest film to hit the January dump month. Or is it? What is a dump month, you might be asking? Well, I'll answer those questions a little bit later before the review. Uh, But first, we have some other things to discuss. So, one, I want to know what you did this week. Then, two, I want to know what your thoughts are on the film Misery, because we both saw that. So, we'll discuss that, too. Uh, and then uh, if we've watched anything, I want to know what we watched as well. So we got kind of a, a cool show planned. So first up, what did you do this week? This week, 
well, at the time we're recording, it is Monday, but the past... <laughs> the past week. Yeah, the past, I guess, the weekends. Um, I pretty much... I went to the mall this weekend, actually, and I actually bought a few things for myself, which I usually don't do that. I'm not a big mall goer and, like, buyer of things unless it's movies, and I actually bought some stuff. I was looking for normal clothes because, like, I've been milk in the same clothes since high school but it turns out clothes are really expensive so i ended up in hot topic and i ended up buying some more horror t-shirts which i'm pretty happy with because that collection is getting pretty big i counted and i think i have 11 shirts at this point that are horror related which i'm sure you have probably triple that at this point but that was cool um and other than that i haven't really done too much obviously we saw misery on that wednesday that was cool and yeah other than that i've pretty much just been chilling out watching movies and that's about it january is usually a pretty laid-back boring month for me yeah uh january is a month that i find sort of depressing because it's it's an it's another year start which means mm-hmm. that another year ended, and that makes me sad usually. Um, but then I get a little, I get over it a little bit because it's a, a, it's another you know whole year to explore. Uh, but you know it's cold, it's nasty, it's um, holidays are all over, so you have like the post holiday blues because you know from October on it's like holiday, 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 holiday. Yeah, and I always then... hated that design of the world. How. It's you have all this awesome stuff going on and then it just ends. And then for like three to four months, there's just nothing. Yeah. And And especially with us, Mm -hmm. because we have like, okay, starting, let's say April, we have the drive in thing that we go to. Other Mm -hmm. drive ins are opening. Movies are starting to come out more frequently. Uh, The weather's getting better. Right. And then you have May, which is like your first like nice warm month. And then you have June, which is like, oh, it's summertime now. And then you have July, which you have the 4th of July, which is fun. And then August and September. Cool. September we do. And, you know, we do other like conventions and stuff like that during this time. Uh, And then, you know, September rolls around and it's like, okay, you know, summer's ending, but we still have October to look forward to. So we do October and then we have Thanksgiving and then we have Christmas. And then it's like January, February, March depressed. <laughs> yeah. But I, I March is okay. But January and February just rough for me. Yeah. I mean, my birthday's in March. That's about all I have to look forward to. But I don't know this year. I feel like January, I haven't been super depressed yet. But I agree. Also I might... think it's because the weather hasn't that's been what I was super say. bad. Yeah, that's it usually like hits really hard in January and February and it hasn't been too bad. I think it's supposed to snow like Sunday, so I'm like kind of getting nervous that it's gonna, you know, kinda go downhill from there. But uh yeah, on Saturday it was freaking seventy degrees out, so you didn't even have to wear a jacket. It was really nice, but it's also deceiving because you know it's gonna end. But yeah, so far I haven't been depressed. I think January drags on forever. Um, I think for some reason January is the longest month in the entire year, and I am getting that sort of, like, to me, 
So 13th, I feel like it should be in the 20s by now, but we're only on January 13th. So it is dragging on, but it's not been like a horrible drag on like it usually is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me this week, um, I had quite a decently busy week. Um, to start, I recorded 22 shots, uh, and that went well. We did a mockumentary show with Mike Merriman. Uh, by the time you hear this, that episode should be out or about to come out. Uh, we did the tunnel. Have you ever seen the tunnel? I have not. It is an Australian film about the this underground tunnel where there should be like some sort of water supply. Um, and these group of filmmakers or investigative reporters go down into the depths and it's actually pretty scary. Uh, Lake Mungo. Have you ever seen that? Nope. Uh, that was part of the eight films to die for line four. Uh, were you familiar with the eight films to die for? Uh, like, yeah, I know about them. I might have some in my collection. I'm not 100% sure though. I would have to know what they all are, but yeah, I know about them. What were they? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I just mean like, I know, like, I, yes, I've seen you know those movies. They exist. Yeah, I know they exist, and I know I've seen them before, but I'm saying, like, I don't know which movies they are exactly. It was actually pretty cool. So Lionsgate picked up all these films in, like, 2005 or something like that, 2006. And they actually put on a little horror festival with all eight of them and marketed it as the After Dark Horror Fest, Eight Films to Die For. And it was very successful. Like it, they they had like the gimmick of like, you know, like the scariest, mo the like most intense movie, the most like horrifying movies you've ever seen. You know, like that thing. Yeah. I remember seeing commercials for it on TV and stuff. Uh, and it it was it was a pretty big success. And it basically, uh, you know, was so much of a success that they did it four more or three more times, well, four more times total, kind of, but three more times, really. So the first year, the second year, third year, fourth year. Uh, the first year, ha like, almost all the films are passable or decent. The second year had a lot of good films. The third year is the worst year, and then the fourth year has, like, two or three good films, including Lake Mon Mungo. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a pretty cool concept, and it, they tried to bring it back in 2015, um but they just released them all on VOD at like $20. <laughs> it didn't really work so much. But yeah, I wish they would have uh, continued doing that. They had like contests and stuff for like the After Dark Horror Fest Girl or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was it was a cool time. I remember like actually seeing it happen back then. Uh, so, we, so we did Lake Mungo, which is decent. And then... Um, the Bay, which was really good. I know Dave Z is a huge fan of The Bay. Uh, the Bay is scary. Why did you do those three films? Um, Derek picked them, and they're all mockumentaries. Oh, okay. That's so they're like that. fake documentaries, if you didn't know what a mockumentary was. I know what it be. Oh. Okay. Uh, so we recorded that uh, fun episode. There is a very funny moment on that show where involving Mike Merriman and... <laughs> and some sounds so i'll just leave it at that check it out if you haven't uh or when it comes out you know it should be on patreon um definitely definitely very soon so yeah 
after that, uh, I, I had sort of, I watched, you know, some NFL football playoffs were on divisional round. I know you don't care. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know what it means. I don't care about it. I don't care to know what it means. I'm sorry. Uh, I also worked on a podcast. Um, I actually recorded about 20 minutes worth of Vestron video horror podcast, episode number five. Oh, did you? Yeah. So that is Chud to Bud the Chud. And I worked on that actually last night um, when I couldn't sleep. And it actually oh. turned out really solid so far. I'm actually pretty happy with that. Uh, so, yeah, besides that, I mean, that'll that'll probably come out uh, uh, not too long from now because it's honestly not that big of a release. There's only a couple special features, but yeah, that, that'll come out eventually. Uh, and then I watched some movies, so... Would you like to know what I watched? I would. Okay. Uh, well, I would like to know what you watched first. Oh, all right. Sorry if you can hear scratching in the background. My cat has taken a shit and a pe- like he's been s- trying to cover it up for the past 20 minutes for some reason. Buddy, but we anyway. We do not curse on this show. We do not? We do not. Oh, you never established that. I'm just, I don't know if we do. I just I definitely said in the first episode, I don't think. I definitely said the S-H word once oh, okay. in the first episode. Well, so you're I guess we're go. not doing any, what does Watson call it? Hard, hard edits. <laughs> we're not doing any hard edits. Dude, I just listened to, um, not to be off topic, but I finally listened to a Watts Z party and their episode eight and I was cracking up because Dave Z, like says the F word at one point, 10 times in a row, it seems like, and Watson just bleeped every single one out. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That is funny. Anyway, yeah, I haven't, honestly, I really haven't watched a ton of stuff. I haven't been watching a ton of stuff. I've actually watched 12 movies, though, and it's the 13th, so I pretty much watch a movie per day. Uh, some days I watch, like, two movies in one day, so... Technically, I haven't been watching a ton. I've kind of been going laid back, which I tend to do at the start of the new year since it's all craziness up to the new year. But uh, I guess I could start with I watched Mask Maker from I forget what year this is from, maybe like 2010 ish or something like that. But it's a movie I bought at Big Lots. I think it was only like a dollar eighty eight. And it was one I was always kind of curious about and um in a way it's essentially like a texas chainsaw ripoff kind of you have like this girl who um her boyfriend buys her a house for her birthday which wish that would happen for me but um and they go to this house and they're gonna fix it up because it's kind of like this old house in the middle of nowhere and he's like oh we can fix it up and then eventually sell it one day and make all this money and blah 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 So they are doing that, and they have some friends over, of course, to help them out and to just hang out. But there is this backstory that you see at the beginning, and there is a killer still lurking around the property. And he starts, of course, killing them. And uh, his thing is he rips off their faces and uses them as masks, so you can kind of see how it's very much like TCM. Um, 
actually thought it was decent. Um, I was kind of scared it was going to totally suck and be very low budget. Um, you could definitely feel it kind of is a little bit low budget, but I enjoyed it. I thought the dialogue between some of the characters, especially the boyfriend and girlfriend, is just was weird. Like, just the way they talk to each other is kind of cringy. But um, other than that, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the thing with the masks, uh, I think, was uh, actually pretty creepy the way he does it and puts them on, and it looked pretty scary to me, so I enjoyed that. Uh, the setting's cool. I always like settings are in the middle of nowhere. Uh, really, the only complaint is kind of the characters are a little bit annoying, and some of the stuff they say is just dumb, and some of the stuff they do is pretty dumb. It, it's nothing special. It kind of just a generic slasher, nothing obviously original, but uh, I liked it. I gave it 6.5 out of 10. Have you ever seen that movie? What is it? Mask Maker? Yes. Oh. I don't remember it very well, but I do own it and I have seen it. All right. Well, that was, isn't that part of the after dark, um, originals? I no, don't... no, it's not. I'm thinking of the task, but it came yeah, out I didn't around think... the same time. Yeah, I didn't think it was, but yeah. Um, should I read all mine off or should you, should we go back and forth? I got Alright. Uh, I really don't have that many, honestly. I literally only have, like, two more. But the next one is Christina's House. I watch this for my YouTube channel, basically, uh, because I go through my entire collection and do a review every week, which is crazy because I have a million movies and it's really hard to get through them all. But, you know, I have fun going through and watching them. It gives me a reason to rewatch stuff that otherwise I probably wouldn't but uh, Christina's House, this is a movie I actually bought at a pawn shop when you and I went to the drive-in probably two years ago at this point and uh, just thought the cover was pretty cool, so decided to pick it up. Um, this movie is essentially about this girl, Christina, her, her dad, and her like little brother, annoying little 14-year-old brother, move into this house, and uh, her mom, you kind of learn, has problems, so uh, she's not really in the picture, but they move into this house and uh, there's these weird sounds that are kind of going on throughout the house. And Christina starts getting a little suspicious. She feels like there's someone lurking in the house, but you know, every time she looks, there's really nothing going on. And uh, that's kind of the general idea, I guess, with the story. Um, and then of course you have all the stuff going on where Christina has like a boyfriend and just friends and, um, uh, oh, well, I guess I forgot to mention that some murders start to happen around the town. And, of course, that makes her more suspicious. Um, it, it's from the year 2000 or 2001. Uh, 2000, I think, is when it initially was released. And it, it for sure, is like a post-Scream era type of film. It even has kind of floating heads going on on the cover. Um, this one, again, the dialogue's a little bit cheesy. It's got that, like, almost soap opera-y drama feel to it at times with the teenage characters and um, th there's not a ton really going on in the movie besides the few kills here, here and there, which you don't really see any of happen. It's more kind of plays out more like a thriller up until the ending. So, you know, there's not a ton going on until the third act really. So it's not the best movie in the world, but it's, it's not horrible either. The acting's decent and uh, the way it's shot is decent and it doesn't feel super low quality or anything like that. But um, once again, just kind of a decent movie, nothing too special. Um, I gave that one 6.5 out of 10 as well. And then lastly, um, I won't really talk much about this, but I watched A Bronx Tale, which I'm doing 
with Derek uh, actually recording tomorrow on celluloid dissections. And that was a first time watch. And I will say I liked it quite a bit. So I don't really want to go into that one. But yeah, overall, I haven't really watched a ton of movies as of late. Gotcha. All right. Uh, So me, uh, I'm only talking about ones that I watched in my collection, as I mentioned last episode that I was trying to work through my collection. Uh, So what I watched this week for my collection was to start off uh, Lake Mungo, which was part of the After Dark Horror Fest. I actually got the Lake Mungo uh, After Dark Horror Fest DVD in the box set because they did put out box sets for each of the After Dark Horror Fests. And there was a website called Go Hastings back in the day where you could, uh, you know, get like buy two, get one free type things. And they they did all these crazy deals. And uh, one time they did these, um, you know, buy buy i forget what it was but anyway i got these box sets for like i got that box set for eight dollars it was like insane because that thing goes for like 50 60 um even today it's like that high uh they never really came down in price but i thought that that was pretty cool finally opened it popped in like mongo uh it's a mockumentary it follows a girl who was found dead on a shore uh, and it interviews her family and the mysterious surroundings uh, with her death, as well as the people in- involved. Uh, pretty cool. I had some problems with it. You could hear a full review on 22 Shots. Um, then I watched the Western classic, The Quick and the Dead, uh, which is a Sam Raimi film. Did I did I talk about this last week? I hope I didn't. I don't... <sighs> I don't think you did. I mean, you've talked about it to me multiple <laughs> times at this point, so I can't even remember exactly. Yeah, it, it's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Western. Uh, it basically follows a woman whose father was murdered when she was a child. She's haunted by that, by a guy, an outlaw, who is now the mayor of a town. She enters a quick draw contest to get revenge. And, you know, there's a, a bunch of interesting characters. Keith David's in this film. Uh, you also have uh, Gene Hackman. Um, you have the awesome Lance Henriksen, who's playing Ace. Uh, it's just a, it's just a pretty cool, it's just a pretty cool movie um, overall. Definitely can tell it was done by Sam Raimi. It's funny, I didn't know that when I first seen it, and I liked it. And then when I found out it was Sam Raimi, I was like, dude, it that does not surprise me at all. Because it totally, you start thinking about all these like shots and stuff. Reminds you of like stuff that he did in Evil Dead and stuff like that. Uh, then I popped in The Brain from Scream Factory. That movie was a lot better than I expected. It's about a dude who has to go to this um, behavioral clinic um, because he's a bad kid. Uh, and, you know, there's a there's a scientist who's doing experiments with this giant brain. Uh, I thought this, I, I, I actually saw this back when I was like first on YouTube. Cause it was on YouTube and it was kind of known as one of those films that had never been on DVD before. So I checked it out, but the quality was so bad that I don't remember enjoying it too much. I know you watched this one, you know, not too long ago. I think that it's a lot better than you would expect it to be. Yeah, I agree. I watched it. Um, 
I forget. Yeah, it was several months ago at this point, so I don't remember it a ton. But yeah, I agree. It it is much better. I mean, a movie called The Brain, you would think, would be super cheesy and kind of lame. But it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Then I watched uh, House by the Cemetery because I got it in on disc from Blue Underground, the cool three-disker that's about to come out. I decided to pop it in and check it out, revisit it. It's been a couple years since I've seen it. Uh, you've seen House by the Cemetery, right? I have. I do like that movie. I think it's got a cool atmosphere to it. Yeah, Lucio Falci. It's a movie that is just bizarre. Like, it's part haunted house, like, part mad scientist, and, like, part gates of hell. It it was a little bit hard to follow, but I think mm-hmm. I understand it more than ever this time. It's a pretty cool movie. Like it, the ending is worthwhile. Uh, Bob is annoying. Everybody knows that, but it's just it's kind of a weird one from Falci. I I much prefer the less giallo Italian films, and this one definitely isn't a giallo. So that's yeah. uh that's pretty cool. That that was a good watch. Uh, and then after that, I watched Green Room. I revisited Green Room, and Green Room follows a group of uh, musicians who are called the ain't rights and they play a show at a secluded bar for a bunch of skinheads and witness something they shouldn't have the skinheads attack. And it's, it's like a siege narrative. It's a really good movie. I, this what I've seen it before and it made my top 10 of, uh, 2016 It made my top five actually, but I would argue that this is even better than that and should have been in my top three. Uh, I, fell in love with it this time and it was it was such a good movie and then i were while i was watching it um i was looking up the actors and i knew that um good old anton yelchin rest in peace was in this film and he, he did such a good job and i was thinking of other films that i had seen him in such as alpha dog and a few others and then i noticed that imogen poots is also in this film and I remembered that they did a film together called Fright Night from 2011. So I decided to watch Fright Night. Oh, I didn't rate any of these. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, it's probably... Eh. All right. Uh, not I a big gave, deal. Uh, really quickly, um, I gave Lake Manga... Or I, you know what? I'm not going to rate them because I, I talk about some of them on other podcasts. So I yeah. won't rate them. Uh, and then... So I popped in Fright Night 2011... And uh, decided to give that rewatch. I like the movie. Um, I did when it came out. Did you see it ever? No, I've never seen that one. Yeah. It has McLovin in it as Evil Ed. Who is McLovin? You can't be serious. I'm just a little curious on who McLovin is. McLovin, dude. Yeah, McLovin. Are you being serious? Who is it, dude? I know the name. I just... Who is it? Tell me, please. You're making me look dumb. <laughs> it's the guy from Superbad, man. Oh, okay. Well, then, I do... I've never seen that movie. What? So I, don't, I never understood that reference. What? People are like, oh, McLovin's in this. <laughs> <laughs> are you... Like, you've never seen Superbad? You know, I I tell you all the, all the time that I haven't seen how? movies. Like, You're I don't like, know how you grew up in that era. How did you not see Superbad? I literally avoided those, like, those movies. They seemed dumb to me, like, oh Step Brothers, Superbad, 
other stupid sex comedies, I guess you would call them. Dude, that era was the Judd Apatow movies. Like, that era was, like, the return of the sex comedy. And it's been, like, a gone genre. But that was a good era, dude. It really was. I just... They just never seemed like they would. I would really find them funny. Maybe it's because I was young, rad. though. But I was also like a twelve years old at that time, like ten to twelve years old, probably when those came out. So like, I really didn't get in. Like, I wasn't a big fan of those just overly adult type of comedies and humor. Were you so, not allowed to watch rated R movies? No, I was. I just wasn't sure? a fan. Yeah, dude, my mom didn't care what I watched. I, maybe you couldn't handle rated R movies at the time, buddy. It's okay. I could. Like, I watched like I watched American Pie and Ro- the Road Trip movie, like, back then. But yeah, I like those. I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, there's a scene in Superbad where they are trying to get beer. Um, Michael, Sarah, and... Uh, what's the dude's name? The chubby dude. Uh, Seth. Nope, not okay. Seth Rogen. Oh, okay, I don't know. Um, the other dude. Oh, Jonah Hill? Yeah, Jonah Hill, sorry. I'm literally just throwing out names because I know all these people played in those movies. Uh, they, they're trying to get, like, beer, and they have this, like, this weirdo friend, McLovin, or not, I forget his name in the movie, but he comes and he's like, I got a fake ID, and they're like, awesome. And he has a fake ID, and his name is McLovin. It just says McLovin on it. And he's like, <laughs> Jonah Hill, like, flips shit, and he's like, or. <laughs> He, he like <laughs> he's like why would you get a fake id that says mclovin he's like he's like cool name right or something and they're like no it's it's retarded nobody's gonna believe that's your real name and he's like and it's just one name there's no last name on it <laughs> see you would like this movie it's funny that's funny buddy anyway he's in fright night 2011 is evil ed uh huh. stephen jeffries originally played evil ed in the original fright night yeah uh, but yeah, this one, um, really, I actually really like it, man. Colin Farrell plays Jerry Dandridge and, uh, you know, Anton Yelchin plays Charlie Brewster. It's basically the same movie except for in this one, um, Imogen Poots is like way hotter than Amanda Beers for one. <laughs> uh, and then also you have sort of, uh, this, it was actually in 3d. I totally forgot that. Uh, yeah, it was originally 3D, uh, but it, I don't know. I just like Vin, uh, Peter Vincent's kind of a little bit lamer. He's like more of like a Chris Angel knockoff, <laughs> um, but it's 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 honestly it's a pretty good effort. I, I like the, you know, the Disturbia rear window s quality to to the film, even though that's not a huge part of it. Uh, I like the look and feel of the movie. And honestly, Anton Yelchin is awesome. So. Yeah, that's that's Fright Night. I decided to rewatch it simply because Anton Yelchin was in it. Uh, so then I wa- or, um, I'm going to watch Odd Thomas, which is the only other horror film I think he was in. Um, I think I own it, but I, it's not alf- on my alphabetical shelf, so it's somewhere else. So I'll have to look at that, look for that. Um, I think I own it at least. Uh, and then I watched Shivers for our next podcast, which is... Uh, the a David Cronenberg spotlight on Twenty Two Shots. Um, that's the apartment complex we want. One we watched with Austin and Andrew. Yeah, that was like a long time ago. Yeah, pretty good. 
Uh, mm. But we will talk about that further next week. And then finally, the last thing that I watched was I revisited Children of the Corn on Blu-ray. Uh, I have the Arrow video release. It's just a favorite of mine, honestly. I understand why people don't like it. It's a little bit slow at times, but it has like, I love the opening murder scene. It's just so horrific. And the music is really good. I just like the atmosphere in Children of the Corn. I love religious-based horror movies, and Children of the Corn is one of the best that does that. Um, it's a little bit dated. I'm, I, I realize that, but it's always going to be a favorite of mine. So that was really awesome. Yeah, that one's not a favorite of mine, but I do like I like settings in the middle of nowhere, just like abandoned towns. So I've always liked it for that. Yeah, but I actually watched quite a lot of discs this this week again. Discs. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, well, what can I say? I'm trying to take on this challenge head on. Yeah, you're making me feel like Jeremy, like in the first episodes of 22 Shots, where you guys would be like, all right, guys, quick cuts, and then he would have like <laughs> half a movie watched, and Moots would have like 25. Yeah. Well, but, you, um, you watch I'm going to be stuff. watching more. I just, what? I said, you watch some stuff. Yeah. I pretty much, like I said, I've been watching like a movie That's a day. That's not even just... all I watched. I watched other stuff, but not on DVD, like oh. on streaming and stuff. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? Discs? Like you're trying to be hip now with... No, I literally mean like I watched a lot of the discs that I wanted to watch. Yeah, I feel. I feel. I do want... Like I'm going to start picking up again and watching more stuff. I was just like, oh. It's not a competition, Carly. I'm feeling like it is. You just (laughs) said that you're trying to go head in on this, head on, whatever. Uh, Like, yeah, on the challenge that I set for myself of watching my collection. (laughs) All right, well, I don't have a challenge, so whatever. Well, I didn't say you had to have one. I just am feeling kind of attacked. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Okay. Let's move along, shall we? Uh, Yeah, so after we watched all those movies, we actually went and saw one more movie in the theater. This was a theatrical screening. The local AMC, it's not super local to us. It's about 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, It's... Um, the waterfront, uh, the, it's an AMC theater and it is, they do, they do this thing, um, called classic movie night. And basically every Wednesday and every Tuesday and Thursday in December, they do a classic movie. And sometimes it's something that we actually care about. Other times it's like something that we don't care about, like Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Um, which is a good movie, but just I'm not gonna go watch a three hour the three hour Lawrence of Arabia movie in the theater. <laughs> just not like my just not what I get excited for. Uh yeah. but every like uh, like September, October, we usually see everything because it's like or we'll usually skip the one like kids one, like I don't know, like Labyrinth or something. Mm-hmm. Uh but for the most part we try to go and see all the um movies we can. Um if we're not busy on the Wednesday, but even through sprinkled throughout the year, sometimes they'll show stuff like the thing in January because it's cold or they'll show, um, uh, the psycho in the middle of the, you know, whenever, uh, we first know, when did we, I, I feel like it was like three years ago. We first noticed they were doing this. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember the first one we went to. It was like Might Psycho. Been... Yeah, it was either... I know The Shining, Psycho, and The Thing were like the first... Like the earliest ones we probably went to, but I don't remember what order. Huh. Yeah, I think it was Psycho. I'm not, if I... Actually, yeah, you're probably right, because that was like the first movie they did in October, so, or late September. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, it, it's it's really fun. They they announce. I know that in February we're going to be able to see My Bloody Valentine and The Invisible Man, the original. Mm. Um, or that might be Invisible Man might be March, but it might be late February. So that's cool. Normally there's like two to three peppered throughout the year horror movies that aren't in September or or um, October. So it's always nice when they do a few more. Uh, We've seen so many, though. I mean, they've shown, like, stuff like The Mist there, you know? Yeah. And, like, r- random stuff like John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, we've seen... Fright Night. Fright actually, Night. The original Fright Night. Um... Uh-huh. Classic stuff like Frankenstein. Did we see Frankenstein? No. No, we saw we've Dracula, Dracula and, the and the Wolfman. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- there's been... I even got him to play Blair Witch. Yeah. Yeah. It was all you. It was me. You know I did that. You probably did. Just but... like I got Joe Bob back on Shutter. All right, dude. Okay. But uh, Blair Witch was awesome. That was one of my favorites, honestly, in like recent time. Yeah, Blair Witch was one of my favorites. Uh, at that specific theater, honestly, like Psycho was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um. The Goonies, when we saw that, that was one of my favorites. Oh my god, I wonder if I could get them to play Stand By Me. They probably, I mean, prob- I'm surprised they haven't done that. Yeah, we should try to get that to happen for the yeah. summer. Uh, Jaws, we saw, I saw once. You saw it twice, I think. Or did I see twice and you We've saw seen, it three I've times? I've seen it three times, yeah, you saw I've it twice. It twice. <laughs> they play it every July, I oh, believe. No, 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 my favorite, Friday the 13th. That was my favorite. Oh yeah, I forget. I keep forgetting that we've seen so many. I should have kept track of. I know. I'm actually. I had a list of everything I ever saw, like retro in theaters or, um, you know, drive-ins. I need to Mm -hmm. update that because it's about two years old at this point. Yeah, we saw. Um, I know what you did last summer there too. That That was was actually another one of my favorites. Yeah, that was fun. There weren't a lot. It wasn't a big turnout for that, which sucked but uh i i had a good time yeah so they played misery this week which i was really excited for because that's a movie that they should have played a long time ago it's the 30th anniversary uh screening that we went to and mm-hmm. it's actually the perfect time because one it's cold and two it's the 30th anniversary so i'm glad they held off i guess uh, unfortunately, I did just watch Misery for Duncan's summer series back in the summer, uh, late summer. So um, it was fresh in my head. It was I watched it less than a year ago. It did not curve my enjoyment whatsoever. So what is Misery about? Misery is about a, a writer, famous writer by the name of Paul Sheldon, who is recklessly driving down a hill when there's a giant storm going on for some reason. And he wrecks his car and uh the great Annie Wilkes uh 
finds him, picks him up, takes her back, him back to her house. And she seems very sweet at first. She's his number one fan, quote unquote. And uh, she's like, hey, I'll take care of you. Uh, you know, the roads are too clogged up and it's too messy out there to take you to the hospital. The phones are off, but I'll take care of you and then we'll get you to a hospital. But then um, things aren't what they seem with Annie. Uh, she turns out to be pretty whacked and uh, pretty obsessed. And Paul Sheldon is pretty much writing to save his life as the, I believe, the cover of the movie has as the tagline. Really? Yeah. It says, Paul Sheldon used to write for a living, now he's writing to save his life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the direct quote. Hmm. Yeah, uh, this this film is, I guess, considered one of the greatest horror films ever, and I could see why. I know that it actually got a lot of positive critical affair, too, uh, which is not necessarily something you see in horror. Um, so that, that that's a huge you know, feather in its cap. Mm -hmm. uh, but the film itself is just so good. I've said this many times. I think that misery is about as close to a Hitchcock film as you can get since Hitchcock died. Mm. Yeah. Misery. It's one that I grew up watching over and over again. It was always on TV. So uh, it's one of those ones. It doesn't matter if I just watched it. It doesn't hinder my enjoyment. Like you said, it's one that has, a lot of rewatchability. Uh, I actually just watched it probably a year ago when I picked up The Scream Factory, and I was blown away by it once again because up until that point, I hadn't watched it probably since I was a kid, and I was like, wow, this is actually, you know, this is probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's just one that I hadn't watched in so long, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's fantastic. There's really nothing wrong with it in my eyes. I actually recently read the book as well, and uh, I thought the book was really, really good, and I think that this adaptation is, does the book justice. I mean, the book is a little more intense, but I think that they toned down all the right stuff for the movie to make it not ridiculous or too over the top. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a great choice to sort of, you know, tone down some of the ridiculous stuff that happened in the book. Um, it, it works in the book, but it's just a different tone on, the, on mm -hmm. film. I think sometimes that stuff doesn't translate to screen very well uh this again i said that this film was you know an award-winning film um kathy bates actually won an oscar for uh best actress uh which is well deserved well mm -hmm. well deserved um of course they probably didn't call this a horror film they probably called it a psychological thriller or something which I could totally see that with this movie, but I mean it is, but it's also yeah. this is horror too. Come it, on, it, it is, it is. But I can see how they kind of slip through the cracks and just put thriller probably sometimes. The top. Well, the, the 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 Academy is sort of known for anytime there's a horror that like a horror film that like sniffs the surface, it's all mm -hmm. automatically like labeled as a thriller. So like sometimes like like thrill like i feel like any horror film can also be labeled as a thriller <laughs> oh yeah but i whenever it's like a professional horror film with like like even silence of the lambs i could see you know more thriller but mm. yeah i don't know uh but yeah she won a golden globe and a oscar for best actress which is pretty impressive um one of very few horror films uh to to get any sort of um oscar recognition so uh yeah i think that 
some of my favorite aspects of this film is Kathy Bates. Like she just mm-hmm. absolutely kills it. I think that Kathy Bates's performance as Annie Wilkes is one of the greatest horror performances in in history. And, and I'm not just saying that. I truly mean like against anybody else. Like against all of the best horror performances. Everything that you could think of, you know, like Freddy or Robert England mm-hmm. is Freddy. Like, what, what is some other, like Hannibal Lecter or, um, who the hell even plays Hannibal Lecter? What's his name? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter. Um, Norman Bates as Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, we get Dude, it. Dude, I but suck at this. It's okay. I we mean, get your Anthony point. Perkins as Norman Bates. <laughs> I said Anthony Bates. <laughs> I said Norman Norman Bates is psycho. The psycho. <laughs> but you know, all those great performances, I think Annie Wilkes and or uh, Kathy Bates is Annie Wilkes is like up there in the echelon of greats. Like like seriously, it is an insane performance. Like every every moment in this film is like hundred percent amazing acting. Like even even Paul Sheldon, uh, uh, James Caan is really good. Even he the makes... sheriff is really good. Everybody's great in this film. Yeah, like the sheriff and his wife. I love that dynamic between them. Uh, Paul Sheldon, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I think uh, James Caan's perfect with just the way he looks at her. Like all the shots of him just like, yeah. what the heck is going Like, Like he just looks like a guy is who would be screwed in that situation and doesn't know how to react. And I think he does a perfect job. And I agree. Like Kathy Bates is fantastic. I think the way the movie shot is really well done too. just the close-ups you get of her face whenever she goes from like zero to 100. Uh, it's, it comes off as, you know, it's funny. You laugh sometimes in the movie, but at the same time, it's great. She's just pulling it off so well. You genuinely feel like this woman could have held you captive. Yeah. Like you don't feel like James Caan is like, you know, you you know how sometimes you watch like movies and you're like, how is this little chick like keeping that? Like just beat her up, dude. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you never feel like James Caan can actually fight back very well. Um, But man, it is just scary. Like the nighttime when he's sleeping and then like Kathy Bates is just standing next to him. Dude, mm-hmm. that is so creepy, man. And then I just love how the story progresses. There's very little in it in terms of like plot holes or things that don't make sense. Uh, it's just it's just a great, great, great movie. Uh, I think that it's one of the best horror films ever made. I give it a 10 out of 10. I also granted a 10 out of 10. Like this movie, just rewatching it this time, it would probably be in like my top 20 movies of all time. There's a few movies I've watched recently where I'm like, oh, that would probably be like in my top list ever at this point. And this is definitely up there now. Uh, yeah, I agree. Ooh. It's, yeah. it's very good. So, uh, with that little mini review of misery, uh, let's move on to sort of our headlining act but first, I want to talk about dump months. So, uh, dump months are sort of known to be January and February and sometimes August. But for horror movies, specifically January, February, 
Uh, and the reason for a dump month, if you actually like look into it, is that some studios are contractually obligated to release said film theatrically. So they can't just dump it on DVD sometimes. So whenever they get a film that hasn't done very well in its test screenings, they don't have faith in it. Sometimes they'll just drop it in January because they don't want to waste money promoting it and putting it somewhere else. They would rather save that spot for another one of their films. Mm. Uh, they don't studios do not go into the production planning on it to being a dump month uh, film. You know what I mean? It's, it's usually when they realize what they have here is probably not so good. And that's why you have the stigma that January has bad horror films because the studios don't have faith in them and they just drop them in January. Uh, there has been sort of a, a lot of talk about dump months and, you know, if they're real, if they uh, actually affect anything, like do dump month movies not make money? Do they not, uh, are they automatically bad movies? Um, obviously there's variables to every type of thing. Right. If just because a movie comes out in January doesn't mean that it's bad. Just like just because, you know, a movie um, comes out in the summer doesn't mean it's good. (laughs) Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's uh, the studio making money and quality of film do not uh, always match up. Like a film could be great and not make any money like Dr. Sleep. A film could be bad and make a ton of money like, I don't know, Happy Death Day. Uh, even though I didn't think Happy Death Day was too bad, I thought it was completely overblown with Pete, the way people liked it. Um, and then, uh, so we we see these dump month films all the time. Sometimes they're nice little surprises. Other times they're awful, like The Grudge. Uh, mm-hmm. So films also, they, like studios are kind of weird because like, if you look at a film like 1917, which is not a horror film, but uh, it came out for like one week in December and now it got its official release here in January. You wouldn't consider 1917 a dump month film um, because it came out in January. Uh, and that is because this is an Oscar chasing film. They often, in order to qualify for the Oscars, the Academy Awards, you have to ha- have at least one week of release in by December 31st. So they released it for one week in December <laughs> and strategically re-released it before the Oscars in January. You know what I mean? So they, mm-hmm. it, in order for it to count, it needed to be a limited release in uh, December and then a wide release in January and the movie is probably going to do well because it's, it's gotten a lot of positive reviews. Like P- studios actually design movies in attempt to win Oscars sometimes, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's one of those films. Now uh, I was actually curious to see like, is the dump month strategy well thought out? It is the dump month strategy good uh, for studios. So, What I mean by that is if a studio releases a film in January or February, does it have more of a shot to make money than if they released it in August? 
uh, or September. I, I would probably say, yeah, based on the fact that, you know, September is a huge movie month and July and stuff like that. You're going to have way more competition. The competition in January is like usually dump month movies or carry over from December, like Star Wars, which is, you know, still there, but kind of, you know, nearing the end of its run. So not as much competition. Uh, so I was curious to see if dump month movies actually make money. Uh, and I was also curious to see how many horror films specifically have came out in dump months. So, uh, I actually do have a list here of horror movies that came out in January. I did not do February. I thought January would be enough. Uh, and I traced it back to 2010. So the last 10 years of dump month movies. So there was two films that came out in 2019, two films that came out in 2018, two films that came out in 2017, two films that came out in 2016, two films that came out in 2015, three in 2014, three in 2013, two in 2012, one in 2011, and two in 2010. So just to put that in perspective, we have four horror movies that are hitting this year in 2020. The closest ever before that was 2013 and 14 with three. So that's kind of impressive in itself mm. that we're getting more dump month movies than ever before. So out of all these films, I'm going to be honest, most of them made money, surprisingly. And what I did was I took the budget and then I took the opening weekend. If opening weekend made more money than the budget then the film most likely is going to make money. Uh, it's always kind of considered if you make back your budget opening weekend, um, you're going to make money. Uh, now, there are other things that are not factored into the budget, like promotion, which is sometimes considered double the budget. So if you have a $4 million production, then you have four additional million in promotion. So you have an $8 million in the hole. So, But you know, if you make back the original budget, in the first week, you're probably going to make enough to cover the rest of the film throughout the, uh, you know, cycle of its life and in, including DVD and stuff like that. So, um, in 2019, two out of the two movies made money. Um, they were escape room and glass. And then in 2018, one out of the two movies made money. Uh, that was insidious. The last key made money, which made a lot of money actually. And Underworld did not make money. It had a $35 million budget with a $13 million opening weekend. Uh, that was the fourth Underworld, which was Blood Wars. Uh, and then in 2017, two out of the two films made money. Uh, the Bye Bye Man did, in fact, make money. It doubled its budget opening weekend. And Please. then Split killed it with a uh, four times the budget gross oh uh, wow split was a yeah dump a, dump monther? Month, a dump monther yeah yeah that's crazy kind of interesting there are some titles on here that um might have been you know designed to sort of not be a dump month film but to mm -hmm. just blow like just uh, I, I don't think these are all dump month films but definitely yeah, some just... of them are like escape room seems like one mm -hmm. uh, and oh by the way glass that, yeah, that was not a dump month film either. I don't think it's I, maybe Shyamalan just likes January. 
Um, Maybe. So uh, 2016 here, we had two films. We had The Forest, which made money, as well as The Boy, which barely made money. It, it, it made it had a budget of ten million, with ten point seven as the, uh, you know, opening weekend. And it, funny enough, we have The Boy Two coming out. I think next month, mm-hmm. or the month after. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then in 2015, um, we had. Uh, one film that does not have – I couldn't tell if it made money because there was no budget for it. But it's The Woman in Black 2. Uh, and then The Boy Next Door actually made money. Um, so that was the one in 2015. Uh, then for 2014, like I said, two out of three made money. Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, which used to dominate October, got dumped on a dump month. And that actually did make money on the dump month. Uh, Devils Do barely made money. Uh, and then I, Frankenstein, lost a ton of money. That was a $65 million production that made $8.6 million opening weekend. That sucks. Yeah, so it seems like every once in a while studios like put a ton of money into a film, realize it sucks really bad, and they're like, let's just bury this as fast as possible. That's sad. Yeah. So 2014 uh, had two out of three. Uh, and then 2013, I could not find information on Texas Chainsaw 3D, uh, which had a $21 million opening, but I could not find any budget. So I don't know if it made money or not. Uh, then the other film from there, uh, 2013, uh, one of the other films is uh, Mama, which made money, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, and then, funny enough, this is the one that lost money. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. $50 million budget, only gross 19 opening weekend. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that film had a 50... Who, who spent $50 million on Hansel and Gretel? Witch Hunters. Yeah, which is funny because we know we have Gretel and Hansel, the Osgood Perkins film, coming out this month. Yeah. Uh, and then The Devil Inside for 2012 made money made a lot of money had a one million dollar budget made 33 million dollars opening weekend wow i remember that the promotion for that movie being really good i i have you ever seen that movie no yeah i haven't either i always thought it looked like it would suck so and then the other film from 2012 underworld awakening had a 70 million dollar budget and only made 25 million dollars so that's the second time they shot themselves in the foot with Underworld. That's a series I have no interest in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2011, The Right lost money, $37 million budget, only uh, $14 million gross. Uh, and then another film from 2010 um, made... Uh, the only horror film to come out in 2010 was Daybreakers, and that lost money. $20 million budget 15 million dollar gross uh and then also from oh sorry that was 2011 no that was 2010 no that was 2012 no that was 2010 daybreakers yeah daybreakers was 2010 and the final film here is legion which also lost money so uh 2010 went 0 for 2 2011 went 0 for 1 so mm-hmm. the early 2010s did very bad with dump months. 
pretty much every other year, though, had a good chance at making money and even made money. So the dump month strategy seems to pay off more than not. You know, you have a film that you're not very confident in making money in the summer. You drop it in January where nothing else is really coming out and nobody really cares. And it usually makes money. Now, I think that, uh, you know, just making back the budget is one thing. But I, I think that, you know, some of these films probably more got closer to even than actually made money. But even is still not a loss. So, yeah. um, you know, I I think that studios kind of hope for at least breaking even when they drop these films in January. And then, you know, you have uh, this this month. I don't know what the budget on Underwater, Underwater was, but I don't think that. I know that it didn't do well. It did like 6.5 million. Mm. Um, and then last week, the grudge, which probably had like a $2 million budget or something, it made like 13. So I guess that's considered a success probably. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I- I'm actually genuinely shocked that a PG 13 underwater movie made less money than a rated R grudge film that everybody hated. I know. Underwater had an 80 million budget, it looks like. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That is so bad. That might be the biggest loss on this. It is the biggest loss out of the last 10 years. Yeah. I I assumed it was probably a huge budget. Yeah, that was a film that was in production, started production in 2017, so three years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the studio realized, like, after they spent more and more money, like, oh, damn, we're yeah. effed. Um, so with that said, let's actually get into Underwater. All right. All right. So Underwater is a film released this past weekend. And what is it about, Carly? It is about. It's essentially about this underwater team of uh, 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 people. What are they? Hold on. Aquatic researchers. Okay, aquatic researchers. They're, uh, you know, obviously they're underwater doing their work and whatnot. And the movie pretty much opens right away with uh, there's like a break and all this water ends up pouring into where they're stationed and they are seven miles underwater. So, you know, they kind of run for safety. Some people end up dying in the mix, but uh, there's a select few who get to safety and then they're trying to devise a plan to uh, actually get themselves out of underwater. And um, along the way, the way they find that there is uh, something underwater with them. So they uh, pretty much set out on this journey to get to uh, the main base, I guess that they can. So they're in the main base. Okay. They, They have to go down to the ocean floor uh, they're deeper than anybody's ever been. They're drilling for oil. Uh, and then they go down to the base. They have to go down to the base of the ocean because their main structure is collapsing. And they need to walk to a, another station on the ocean floor. Yeah, what he said. So, yeah. And there's like a monster. Um yeah. This will be spoiler free, so we won't get into the details of the later portion of the film. Uh, let me just say, start off with the things that I liked. So, first of all, 
I love the underwater setting. I think that it is super cool. I think mm-hmm. that it's claustrophobic. I think that it's scary. The idea of running out of breath out of air is, you know, horrifying to me. Uh, 47 meters down is like one of the better films I've ever seen do the underwater um, situation. Uh, not the sequel, but the original 47 meters down. Or is it 48 meters down? 47. 47. <laughs> okay, I always get that confused. Yeah. Uh, so I do like the underwater setting. The second thing that I really liked about this movie was the opening um, where we are with Kristen Stewart. Yes. And uh, total. I, okay. Like this film in the opening and even later in the film, total male gaze. Like, <laughs> like this movie is like <laughs> ridiculous with it. Cause like the way they're shooting Kristen Stewart in her underwear is like straight up. Like it reminds me of Alien. It, it really does. Like, oh, yeah. That was a yeah. clear homage to Alien. Clearly trying to channel Alien. Um, she's in her underwear like throughout like most of the movie. Um, when she's not in her wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the ship or the you know the rig starts collapsing is my favorite part in the movie. Um, whenever they're you know they're running. And, you know, every it, the way it's shot, it looks really cool. It looks super hectic and dangerous, and it's actually kind of scary. Uh, and then where she's, like, waiting to close the door, but the two other people are, like, running down the hall, and the water's coming in. Um, and, like, ultimately what happens there, that was actually my favorite part of the movie. And I was like, wow, this movie's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, five minutes into it, I was like, this movie's going to be great. Like, that was such a good scene. It never lived up to that ever again in the entire movie. Yeah, I agree. Like the the opening scene has a lot to offer. Um, Kristen Stewart, I'm not a big fan of. I think she's very, very bland in everything she does. So that was kind of like a, an automatic turnoff for me. I like her look in this movie um, with that just short blonde hair. I don't know. It just, I think she was very fitting for the role. But uh, I don't know. Her acting, I just find to be a little... She's like walking depression. That's what she reminds me of. Just that's what depression is in like a human form. But I, I agree. I like the underwater setting. Um, I think that that should be utilized more because drowning is like one of my biggest fears. And I think that would be horrifying to I would never, ever do any job or anything that involves me being underwater like that, because I think that's terrifying. And um, so I do like the movie for that. Um but yeah, other than that, it's kind of bland to me. I'm not a huge fan, as you know, of these types of movies anyway. Like, I think Alien's a great film, but it's not one I ever felt like watching necessarily. Just kind of the more action-y, although, you know, the first Alien's more horror than action. But this one definitely has some action-y vibes to it that I just don't really care for. And But even that's kind of bland. Like, I would just describe this movie as kind of generic. It's nothing overly original um just the story is very much what you would expect from it and i just didn't get a whole lot out of it i guess i think my biggest problem is the the complete like one i like the movie starting fast right because it's it Mm. it starts right away like five minutes in you're into the movie you know like the 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 main plot is happening Mm -hmm. um but the thing that i didn't care for is the fact that the characters are severely underdeveloped yeah um, they throw in 
like, oh, this person has a daughter. Oh, this person is in a relationship. Oh, this person loves this person. But it is like basic as all hell. It is as basic as it comes. It's like literally just like throwing it in there. It's literally throwing it in there. Uh, it's it's like it's actually horrible. The the character development mm-hmm. is horrible in this film, and it's a film where you're spending a lot of time with the characters, and you're supposed to be caring if they live or die, and it just doesn't work because they you don't know who any of them are. Like uh, the you know the funny guy, I guess, has like the most character development because he's funny. You know, he has like funny moments. Um, so I guess you care about that. And then like, he is kind of like taken out of the film, like half of the film, you know what I mean? Based Mm -hmm. on like the story. Uh, and I think that the, the lack of character development really hurts the later portion of the film where you're supposed to be like nervous for these people. Uh, and then also I think that I honestly think it's kind of messy in its, you know, execution. Um, there's the way that the helmets are designed to stay underwater is like Mm -hmm. bad for this movie because they basically are taken off like a, um, like diver, you know, like, like, a. what, what are the divers in the metal suits with the, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, 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 like, like regular divers with the metal suits and the, you know, window in the front scuba divers. Yeah. But not with like, you know, the deep divers, the people that have to wear the suits, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you, yeah. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. and like Men of, Men of Honor or whatever it's called, you know, like those kind of diving suits, the big metal brass diving suits. It has the same sort of helmet as that where you like twist it on. Okay, mm-hmm. well, they take the helmets off when they're in a safe area, but then they're like, you know, running or like something's happening and you're like, where the hell are the helmets? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, like they have, what do they have in their hands under the water? Like, I, I don't it, buy this. Um, it's very, very poorly designed choice that makes you think like, what's going on with these people? Like, how are they able to like have their helmet and slip it on so fast and stuff like that? Because it's like kind of a huge deal. And then like the whole air thing, it just, I think that it's completely mishandled, like ways to make the film tense and, um, make you it makes you question like okay what how can they do this how can they do that mm-hmm. um it, it's a little ridiculous with that stuff uh i think that one of the best parts of the film is actually the the the, the what's actually after them yeah pretty cool I agree. pretty yeah, cool. it looks pretty good yeah especially in the end i really mm-hmm. like that um but I just, I don't know. I mean, I just felt like this film was a little misguided. It was a film that had potential. It definitely had mad potential. Like the, the, it looks good underwater. Like it looks like the, they did have a lot of money to, to play around with. It should have been better. There should have been more focus on threatening creatures because that I, I although I liked the look of the monster, Mm-hmm. I feel like they underutilized the setting. They underutilized yeah, almost... the attacks. They underutilized the way that the characters interact. And um, man, did they really miss the ball? Drop the ball on on the whole. Like you look at Alien. Like mm-hmm. this film, if you're gonna make it like Alien, the you should follow the sh- 
the structure and the beats of the story too, because this this the way they handled this is just poor. Yeah, um, like the monster is almost like an afterthought, honestly, with everything else. It, it feels because they're already trying to get to safety from you know their base being destroyed, but then the monster just doesn't seem like as big of a deal as I was expecting it to be in the movie. And yeah, you know, it's cool that it starts out pretty salt. Like it starts, it gets right into the movie with all the action and stuff. But I think that kind of almost hurts the character development. Cause there's a way you can do, you can make that work where you start out strong and then you kind of introduce your characters and develop them. But they failed at that in a way. And I feel like if they would have just had like an opening scene or something to where you get to know the characters, much like movies like alien and the thing and stuff like that do, then it could have been a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, the whole entire movie just is a misstep. Um, I do not think that it's that bad, but honestly, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I, sort of got to that part where I was like getting a bit bored with it and was like wanting it to end, like wanting it to hurry up, which, um, back to back weeks for that is, is not what I want, man. I mean, normally like most of those January titles that I listed off earlier, I liked most of those movies. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff on there that I like didn't have interest in like the right and stuff like that. I don't know. Like there was a lot of like devil stuff. Uh, in that list but yeah, yeah. I, I mean th- i thought this movie looked cool when they started showing the previews for earlier in the la- you know later in last year mm. and i was like wow this this actually looks like something that could be uh pretty fun like i love the underwater setting it's basically if this would have just been alien underwater i would have been fine with that i would have been like that sounds like a fun movie to me but it's it's knockoff alien that's nowhere near as good or even nowhere near half as good uh, as Alien. It, it's it, it honestly is unfortunate because it had potential. It had the money behind it. It had the creatures. It had um, even the the acting was like fine. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know the the script needed much more work. Much more work. So that's kind of uh, my thoughts on Underworld. Do you want to rate this thing? Call it Underworld. Underworld. Underwater. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just miss saying everything tonight. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, it's uh, not a great film. I feel like seeing The Grudge first kind of made this one seem quite a bit better because uh, it's obviously much better than The Grudge was. But uh, even then, it's it's nothing special. That's the big problem with it. And it's very forgettable. It's one of those ones that I'll probably never think about again for the rest of the year. So, um, I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah. I'm a little bit lower than you. Um, I just don't think it's very good. Uh, it's, it's a movie that I wanted to like, I actually went in with decent expectations. Like I I didn't expect to be blown away, but I was like, I bet this is going to be like, you know, a solid seven and a half movie that uh, like an escape room or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It it was it was weak, man. I, I gave it a six. Yeah, fair enough. And that's sure. for creature design, setting, uh acting and you know, general aesthetics. The rest of this stuff, script script is the worst part. Mm-hmm. So uh that is the end of our underwater review. 
uh, pretty small cast on that one. Only had, I believe, six cast members. Yeah. Uh, but next week we will be coming back for The Turning, which is based on a novel, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a drama horror mystery, PG-13 as well. Uh, so back-to-back PG-13 films. Um, it says here, uh, courtesy of IMDb, a young governess is hired by a man who has become responsible for his young nephew and niece after the death of their parents, after deaths of their parents. A modern take on Henry James James's novella, The Turn of the Screw. Interesting. Yeah, so what's your expectations on this one? You know, like, I don't even know anymore. To me, I didn't think it looked that bad. I see, like most people saying oh that looks like a piece of crap i i don't know based on the trailer i didn't think it looked horrible i thought it looked kind of interesting but i feel like nowadays anytime i think that i'm completely wrong so i'm kind of just going in with like pretty you know mediocre low expectations and hoping to be surprised yeah, I uh, personally didn't think that it looked good at all. This is back when I was still watching trailers. Um, mm-hmm. But I, as you know, as you're very well aware, I'm done watching trailers again. Yeah, can confirm, guys. He sits there and listens to rap music now with his beats. <laughs> <laughs> They're so like talk bright red big beats, too. Yeah. They're just so in your face. I'm normally not like an obnoxious headphone wearer, but I, I the earbuds aren't loud enough that I have. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that is the show. Um, I thought it was a pretty good one. We I had fun. Me too. All right. So uh, we will see you guys next week with another one. We will be covering The Turning. With that said, I'm JP. And I'm Carly. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace.